Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Now, before we get underway with today's podcast, an important message from BT. Thursday marked International Day of People with Disabilities, and with that in mind, BT are running a huge nationwide campaign to increase awareness of para and disability football. It's called the 433 Strategy, a partnership with the FA, the FAW, the SFA and the IFA, unlike any other done in UK football history. There are three focused areas, grassroots, women's and para and disability football. The goals of the campaign are to make a meaningful difference and leave a lasting legacy in each area. BT have a HR director in Manchester by the name of Andrea Kilgore. Andrea is a one-woman force for change who passionately believes in using her influence to promote greater inclusivity and shift the narrative from one of disablement to enablement. She's a dedicated fundraiser and campaigner for families living with hemiplegia, a condition caused by brain injury which affects the movement of limbs. And as a BT433 squad member and mum to two football-mad daughters, Andrea intends to empower more people with additional physical and emotional needs to discover the transformative power of football. We wish Andrea all the best in being part of this movement. You can get involved and show your support using the hashtag DiscoveredDisabilityFootball across social media. For more information, you can head to www.bt.com slash home nations. Thanks for listening. And now... On with the pod. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. This week we'll be looking back on United's defeat to PSG and look ahead to the return of David Moyes. What a treat it's going to be. And to get us in the mood for Moyes Day, we are joined by Chief United writer Samuel Luckhurst. Good morning, Rich. Yeah, how are you, Samuel? Of course, we're recording this before the uh, press conference from Ollie today, speaking this afternoon. Uh, so a few things might be... Uh, Maybe a bit out of time, but Samuel, you've had a few days now to get over the uh, what happened on a Wednesday night. United seem to always sort of turn up when they play PSG, but you know they lost last time they played PSG at home. They lost again, and it's a bit of a reality check for United on Wednesday night. They had that masterclass the last time they played PSG and Solskjaer got everything right, but this time he seemed to get everything wrong. It, it was a strange one in the. Uh, you saw after the game probably Ole out is trending, and I I I found that pretty ridiculous really. I mean they just lost to a very good side, and they can still get through to the round of sixteen against Leipzig next week. But of course the the focus was on the Fred decision, and I think if the MEN or whichever other site ran a poll at half time, should Fred be substituted now? I think you probably have more than 80% or more than 90% saying yes. It, it was a strange decision. And, and Solskjaer was adamant that they reconvened. They spoke with Fred, told him to calm down. I think the word he used to describe Fred in the second half was that he was sensible. And he's, he's right to an extent. But even with that second uh, yellow card and, and the challenge, and of course, it, it wasn't a booking. It wasn't a foul. Everybody saw it on the replay. But a cannier player just does not take that risk. He, he miscontrolled it. He's going to be stretching for it. He, he's given the referee an opportunity. He's he's putting himself at risk of of making um, the tackle and, and fouling an opponent. And of course, you don't take that risk against someone like Ander Herrera, who will milk any kind of challenge. Looking at the replay, Herrera isn't writhing around in feign agony like like Neymar was. 
but he does exaggerate it. There is that that wince on his face. He is grimacing when he goes down, and we've seen Herrera do that before. And it was just naive of Solskjaer, and it was naive of Fred um, uh, for, for those those two decisions. Fred should have been sent off in the first half. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I suppose the only smidgen of satisfaction was the the referee. I think clearly decided not to send him off because of the. The disgraceful reaction from Paredes and and also the, the PSG players. I mean, PSG there's they have some very impressive individuals. Tuchel is one of them. Marquinhos another. Mbappe, Neymar's a brilliant footballer who ranges from lamentable to lovable, but they are as charmless as a Qatari commodity you you'd expect them to be. Um, so it's I th- I think that's probably what informed the referee's decision in. And not for sending Fred off in the first half. And of course, United in the second half started superbly. I think if you are to blame anyone, despite the, you know, obviously Solskjaer and Fred are in, I think Marshall was probably the most blameworthy of them all, just for those two those two chances he had in the second half. Uh, both of them should have been buried. The, the second one's a great block by Marquinhos. And I think he was probably man of the match on the night. I think, you know, he was a goal blocker at one end and goal scorer at the other. But a cleverer, striker a more natural striker i think probably takes that chance there they're a bit cuter with the finish and it's just endemic of marshall at the moment that he's not he's not scoring goals um he, he looks strained of confidence even on the left wing i mean solskjaer's let him off by not playing him on the right he's played rashford there and rashford's actually played very well there in the last couple of, of champions league games but, but marshall just looks i don't think it's just a case of him just being completely out of sorts i think He's almost come full circle in that he had a season last season where he did look very good as a number nine. I think it was an underrated season in many ways. But now with you know the rise of the number nine again, he just doesn't belong in the same company as Ibrahimovic and Cavani and Kane, Lewandowski, Lukaku. He's just a completely different type of attacker to those players. Yeah, it's hard to see quite where Marshall fits into the team at the moment. Come back onto him in a minute. Like you said, Samuel, it seemed sort of after the game that three three individuals being blamed were Solskjaer for his game management, Fred for the red card, and Marshall for the misses. But in terms of United's sort of tactical approach, um, a couple of changes from the weekend. It was three changes in total from the Southampton game. You, you can kind of understand why. I know hindsight might make some of them seem uh, a bit questionable, but at the time, I don't think there were too many complaints with the line. But how much of an impact do you think United's actual formation played? Obviously, Luke Shaw was injured. Zabu was suspended, so the possibility of a back three was never really on the cards for United, and unless Eric Bailly was parachuted in, and of course he was against Chelsea back in February and played well. But do you think United paid the price for for switching to four, four? Sorry, the four three three. I think there was a looseness about them that you you hadn't seen previously against PSG, apart from that that home game when they lost and they had a couple of muscular injuries in in the first half and. Uh, things started to fall apart and they ended up losing that game quite easily. But McTominay was always going to come back into that that team. I, I was I was pretty adamant that he, he was going to start just because of his track record against PSG and um, that, that shielding that he does in, in front of the back four. But he, he seemed to be the only one who was getting a, a stranglehold on that. Uh, he did obviously ruffle Neymar's feathers and, and Neymar had the last laugh eventually, but he, he was clearly riled by McTominay's aggressive um, approach. Maguire, I can't repeat what Maguire, Maguire said, but it was something aggression, clapping, uh, clapping away after McTominay went in on Neymar in the first half. 
But I think if if Tuanzebe was available, if Shaw was was fit, then they probably would have played with a back three. But I think overall, given the the, the form United were in going into that game, and just the threat they have in attack, I completely understood why they went in the formation they did. I, I mean, I agreed with every outfield selection apart from Marshall. I, I don't think Marshall should have been starting that game. I, I'd have I'd have kept Van der Beek in, and I know it's not necessarily completely playing to Van der Beek's strengths, but there's there's the capabilities there to interchange to pull PSG defenders out of position. But it still probably should have worked because they had those those great chances in the second half. Uh, Cavani was so so close with with his effort going off uh, coming off the crossbar with that that brilliant chip. Just a great great piece of play. That I mean, if, when you're in a press box, you don't celebrate. I think people who celebrate in the press box certainly shouldn't be in the press box. But sometimes you exclaim at something that's just so stupendous, and that was that was one of those moments from Cavani in midweek. So I don't think Solskjaer tactically was, was culpable at all. I think he, he made sensible decisions with most of his choices. Uh, De Gea was always going to start in goal. That's that's a completely different debate altogether. But he was just unfortunate that Marshall he's, is someone he's entrusted. And I guess, you know, in, in some ways, if, if you're going to trust a player who really probably shouldn't be starting at the moment and he does let you down with, with his finishes, then you, you kind of get what you deserve. But you saw Solskjaer's reaction to, to Marshall skying it into the Stretford end. He was extremely unimpressed by that. I think he just stopped short of you know, flashing a death stare at Michael Carrot like Van Gaal did that time. Uh, I think it was Ryan Giggs when, when Hernandez missed missed the penalty in Bruges. So, um, he, he there was also that Mourinho one, wasn't there? Was it against there, was, there was Mourinho, over, Mourinho over oh, Rashford when he blazed one over against young boys and clearly um obviously you know I, I think everyone knows Rashford's got an air of enticement about him and his, his brother pretty much confirmed that last season when he goaded Mourinho by post I think he posted a picture of Mourinho's reaction after Rashford had scored a couple of times against Tottenham so uh, but yeah we we digress anyway I, I don't think Solskjaer was was to blame for that result in midweek the trouble is of course you've got two huge games next week Leipzig and City if they lose both those games, I don't think they will. But if they do lose both those games, then he's really under the cosh again. Yeah, exactly. Like you said earlier, Samuel, as well, there is that sort of mitigation. You know, if Marshall scores those chances, then United win the game. Or, you know, they very at least get a point, which puts United through to the knockout stages. And, you know, it's PSG. I know United absolutely made mincemeat of them in the first meeting in the Champions League this season. But PSG with the runners-up last season, you know, better finishing themselves, might have the Champions League. So... The point is to be a bit of a reality check from some United fans as well, you know, to, to lose at home to them. No embarrassment, really, particularly in the group stages. It's just frustrating that, you know, United win cruise control of this group and now it seems to be spiralling out of control. Uh, in terms of the Marshall sort of selection, and this will be the last bit on Marshall, I'm, I'm sure, don't you worry. But uh, you, like you said, Solskjaer's put his faith in him. Do you think this was almost the last straw for Marshall on Wednesday night? Obviously, the team news will underpin it against West Ham away, but Marshall can't have any complaints now if he's if he's dropped from the team but like you say with two massive games next week Solskjaer really will have to revert to the players he does trust for these next couple of games and it's hard to have a case for Marshall. It is against a team like Leipzig you wouldn't be hugely surprised if he does go with a back three especially where Fred is suspended and Fred is a player who has been starting 
every meaningful game pretty much since the, the Tottenham trouncing. So if, if that happens, you wonder if there's a place for Marshall in that team. I know he has played in that split striker role before, but would you necessarily put him in that game, uh, given what, what's on the line, given what United need? You probably wouldn't. Um, in terms of the last draw, I think there are too many uh, there are too many issues for United in in the squad and and in, and in attack for for him to just be completely discarded. I think that if you take him out of the attack and you're you're insistent on on four forwards, then you're looking at Matter or Daniel James or Mason Greenwood, and there's been an asterisk against all of those players' names this season for, for good or bad. I mean, Matter is, is 32 to 33 in April. He's just not going to play as regularly as as he once did five years ago or six years ago. Greenwood, there have been issues with since the, the Reykjavik incident, and he's he's had illnesses, and he's he's I think he's he's just struggling to to start games at the moment. And obviously at Southampton, Solskjaer was very decisive in, in taking him out. But Daniel James has just had a pretty terrible calendar year with United, so I don't think Marshall. I think I think Marshall is a write-off as a number nine. I, I could be wrong on that. As I said last year, last season he was he was very good as a number nine. I think he probably overachieved in that role. I don't think anybody really expects him to top score necessarily for United or to score as many as he did. And that was and without you factoring in the six-week period or whatever it was, uh, he was out injured. I think he was actually closer to two months in fact. So he still missed quite a big chunk of last season and, and scored a respectable amount of goals but he's just a player that I don't think anybody really sees him as as a number nine you might as well have him and Cavani swap squad numbers sevens more synonymous with a winger I think for a lot of people Marshall is always going to be seen as a winger and it's just it's just his his reactions this season to setbacks have not been reactions you associate with a number nine his body language is all wrong his shoulders droop too much I think Ibrahimovic in his first season at United, there was a period where he scored one goal in 11 games, and that was against Zorian Luhansk. Yet during that run, he's been an interview bragging about how, oh, I've met Manchester City fans, but after they met me, they became United fans. You know, that, that's that's the kind of confidence you associate with a number nine. And, and Marshall, I just don't think, has, has got that about him. You look at someone like Erling Haaland, who is, is clearly a bit of a character um, with his succinct interviews and singing Bob Marley as part of his initiation. And you look at him and you think, just just without taking the football into play, he has got the character and the confidence of a number nine. I just don't get that with Marshall. I think he's too too flaky a player for that. Yeah, I guess the other aspect as well, Sam, was that United sort of championed this fluid front line in which Solskjaer was saying he wants his strikers to be able to play in every position, you know, the fact that Greenwood, Rashford and Marshall are quite largely interchangeable and, you know, they can all theoretically play in every position in a front three, but they've sort of abandoned that. They've gone back to, like you said, the traditional number nine and it's revolutionised their attack, you know, not just with Cavani's scoring exploits at the moment, but his intelligence off the ball, bringing them into play. It does just seem just like chalk and cheese between the two of them as, as centre-forwards and you know, even if Cavani maybe doesn't get quite to the heights that some fans are expecting, even when Cavani was to leave, he was to leave next summer or the summer after, there's quite clearly a need for United to have an out-and-out out number nine, regardless of Cavani's at the club or not. And it just doesn't look like it'll ever be Marshall anymore. No, and they clearly 
recruited Cavani as someone to keep Marshall on his toes rather than tread on his toes. They'd seen how badly he'd reacted to the Sanchez signing nearly three years ago and how petulant he was over that and how petulant his agent was over it, frankly, coming out publicly saying he wants to leave. And then Marshall obviously went AWOL on the pre-season tour as well, which went down like a lead balloon and he was, he was fined over. But it is, it is an issue that they are going to have to address sooner or later with a long-term recruit. In fairness to Solskjaer, he identified Haaland as that player. And unfortunately for United, it, it didn't happen for whatever reason. There were different versions of it. United obviously felt that uncomfortable with the influence of Raiola. And the, 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 I think it was the percentage of the players, um, of the next player sale or something like that. Mm. Um, it happened a year ago, all this now. So forgive me if, if the, the details aren't quite correct, but they were clearly uncomfortable with it. But then speaking to people who actually know the Haaland family they were always adamant that he was he was going to Germany and he was going to Dortmund because in recent years in, in Bellingham and, and Sancho young uh, Rainers and other one young players want to go to Dortmund because it's a halfway house to a bigger move later down the line and I think Haaland has you know he's clearly made the right choice there as well he's, he's playing at a level where there's not too much pressure it's it's a level that's still high enough for him to further himself and improve himself and and he's done that and unfortunately for United that still left them with a void to fill and they've gone with a couple of stop gaps Igalo is redundant now I mean that a complete separate issue but why the hell he came on for Cavani the other night I have no idea so Samuel on to the weekend West Ham away it's almost similar to the game against Southampton last week that United against one of the sort of surprise packages early on in the campaign. You know, they struggled against Southampton, but they came good at the end. West Ham, we have that extra David Moyes factor. What are you expecting from United? You know, they did lose at West Ham away last season. They've got quite a torrid record in, in sort of recent years against West Ham. Uh, does it look like a banana skin to you? It's a very tricky game, uh, to say the least. They've, I think they've lost over the last two seasons and two really, really terrible uh terrible performances as well. I mean, the, the Mourinho one was, uh, Ed Woodward privately found that one of the toughest to take, to be to be present at uh, during Mourinho's reign. So and looking at West Ham, how they're doing this season, it has got the makings of certainly being, being that game that ends United's uh, away day run. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, their record. They've, I don't think they've lost a away game in the Premier League since January the 16th, which was the Liverpool defeat at Anfield. Uh, so I, I don't think this one looks as, you know, cast iron a, a certainty of a win as, as some of the previous away days have been this season. But they've, you know, there's been something, they've been, there's been plenty to admire about them when they have played away from home this season. I think they've scored it past the 87th minute in all of them. Um, Everton away always looked like a real tricky game. They played really well in that. Uh, Southampton away, I think those two games is probably just about the best they've played in the Premier League this season, certainly in their best performance of the season so far. You, you'd probably say is was PSG away. So, um, you know, I, I don't think they've got anything to, to be fearful of at West Ham. Okay, they're coming up against a good side and West Ham. Um, are starting to, you know, are on the up and up against the, under David Moyes, sorry. But I don't think there's any need for United to you know, have any kind of inferiority complex or threat about it at all. I think if they play like they did against Southampton, 
or like they did at Everton, then then they should win the game. But of course, what made it so awkward at Southampton was their finishing. They just weren't clinical enough. They weren't clinical again in midweek, and they come up against a better team, better players, and they end up losing it. So uh, where they're coming up against an inferior team and inferior players in West Ham, they might well, they might well get away with it. But that that's that consistency that Solskjaer keeps going on about that um, they're still striving for. Yeah, of course. And it's this sort of game really where we do get a good barometer away, and that is exactly our uh, since 2014. I'd won just three of their last 11 against West Ham in the Premier League, and that's home and away. You know, it's a team that they're drawing with a, a lot as well. So, you know, the banana skins there, but like you said, it should come down to the, the finishing really uh, at the London Stadium on Saturday evening. Uh, for you, Samuel, in terms of team selection, like we said. The caveat as we're recording this before Solskjaer's press conference, so we will get updates on the likes of Rashford and Shaw later. So excuse us if we sort of blindly ignore them now. But uh, in terms of changes for this weekend, you've already hinted maybe like to see Van der Beek back into the squad. What would you do for, for West Ham away if, if you could now? Well, you have to you have to go about it with with Tuesday in mind, given the quick turnaround between games. I mean, they'll have they'll, they'll roughly have just about you know three days to prepare for it but given the end of given the kickoff times half half five on, on saturday it's it's still pretty pretty tight um and of course it's the derby the the following week as well uh, i mean Solskjaer will really really not not getting a point against psg because he, he could have rested players and some players would have had eight days to prepare for the derby but that's gone out of the window now i think really he's just trying to look at it, it's probably going to have to be the same back four. You might as well play Fred because he's not going to be playing on Tuesday. Rashford, of course, starts. Fernandes has to start. And then there are three or four other positions where uh, there's, there's scope for rotation. Um, but, you know, I, I think Solskjaer will kind of make certain selections, being mindful of who they're actually coming up against in terms of direct opponents in, in the West Ham team. Uh, I, I certainly think that Hen- it's time that Henderson came into the team, but whether that's this weekend, I have my doubts. I think the the next Premier League game that really stands out as one for Henderson starting is, is Sheffield United away, um, given that they're the only winless team in the Premier League now. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems kind of fitting that, that he'd go back there and make his first Premier League start for United which would be, uh, you know, he's, he's, have, he's had too long, it's been too inordinate a way as it is so far. Uh, I think on, on that, really, if, if De Gea, given that he did train on Monday, as I was told, after getting injured on the Sunday, and then he plays on the Wednesday, you, you do have to wonder how injured he actually was at Southampton. It was, it was a little bit peculiar, that. But in terms of the actual team at West Ham, as I said, United haven't got only one player injured, as Louis van Gaal famously said, and that's Phil Jones, who really barely counts these days. So it's still a game that, despite you know the setback of PSG, that I think United should feel confident of, of winning this weekend. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to go with that mentality and I'm sure Solskjaer will as well. And, you know, I'm sure we'll hear lots in the press conference about those, uh, the David Moyes sort of storyline going into the game. But Solskjaer needs to prove why he's the current manager and why he deserves to still have the faith of the United board. But like you said, Samuel, a huge week. The fun never stops reporting on Manchester United at the moment. But uh, we'll go and let you have a bit of rest now before the press conference and that <laughs> enjoyable Saturday Thank night you. down in London, surrounded by the fans. 
here too, life for Samuel Luckhurst. What a treat it is, leaving us all here. But uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you very much, Rich, as always. And, and thank you very much at home for listening in once again. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. It really does help us. And we will see you again early next week to look back on West Ham and look ahead to RB Leipzig. Thank you. Take care.